Welcome to the Fantasy Affair. What's up, my Fantasy Affairians? Welcome into another fabulous episode of the Fantasy Football Affairs Podcast. I'm your host at Eric Burkholder6 on Twitter, uh, and I'm joined, as always, by Bradley the Stickler. He's at FF Bourbon Dude. What's going on, Brad? I am in heaven today. That's Ooh, what I'm going to say. It's not living because the dream. We're not. I, I am living the dream, but you know what? I got I to gotta talk about something better than that because it is national fucking bourbon day today i don't know if you know this my twitter handles ff bourbon dude for a damn reason and it has everything to do with the fact that i love everything there is to love about bourbon so tonight i went out and i said you know what the month of may is military appreciation month now in june on the 14th of june in 2021 it's national bourbon day and i grabbed myself a store pick from none other than Liquor Barn in Louisville, Kentucky, a 13-year horse soldier. So horse soldier is a pretty awesome bourbon. Not to not, you know, all their entire line is, but the the story behind horse soldier is hits home for me because my whole family's military. It was founded by a bunch of guys who have been in pretty much every conflict since the Vietnam War. They've got teammates in the team from every conflict since Vietnam War. They are called Horse Soldier because that's what a big group of them, that's the nickname that was given to them as part of the Northern Alliance uh, that broke the Taliban stronghold after 9-11. So it's a really cool story. It's a badass bourbon out of Columbia, uh, out of Columbus, uh, Ohio. So check it out if you haven't. Horse Soldier Bourbon out of Columbus, Ohio. They've got a small batch, a single barrel. They've got 13 year. They've got another one called Commander Select that I can't just bring my I can't bring myself to spend the money on it. But check it out. It's National Bourbon Day. Grab your fucking glass and cheers to you guys. Yeah, man. I think that's some Expo stuff. I think we might need to split a bottle. I'm a little old school. I'm a little set in my ways. If you guys haven't realized by hearing me speak constantly that uh, I'm, I'm heavily opinionated uh, for good and bad reasons. So I'm drinking some Jefferson straight rye, rye whiskey finished in a cognac uh, cask, which I don't love because I don't love it's finished in cognac. I don't think that's good. Uh, straight rye is delicious. Jefferson's delicious. It's made right here in Crestwood, Kentucky. I know you're from the area. Anything that says they're bourbon and they're not made in Kentucky, I have a little bit of a problem with. I'm not saying it's not delicious. I'm not saying it's not badass. It's got an issue with it, man. They make some in Japan that won the award in, in 2017. They make champagnes in California now instead of champagne French. I get it. It's a new world. But if it's not made right here and distilled right here in Kentucky, I got an issue with it. So I can't wait to try it. I mean, it all goes down the same once it hits my glass of ice. And, uh, yeah, National Bourbon Day. Cheers to you. Cheers to all our listeners. I just want to shamelessly plug a couple of our articles here on FFAffair.com. We got some series coming out. Um, our new guy, Rob Lorge at Rob FF addict on Twitter has been spitting them out left and right. He's fantastic. Right now he's asking me, do I have any ideas? So I need listener questions coming in on that website page. Send us some, send us some emails, man. Tell us what you want us to talk about. Tell us what you want us to write about. We will guarantee you that we will get to them uh, in due time. Uh, but there are two that are on the website right now, two series. There's a chaos series by Britt Sanders at, the ff sandman and of course exploiting values through keep trade cut which is a fantastic website that we're using for a lot of these articles by garrett vienna at ff goldmine 
So check them both out on Twitter and hit up our website, fffair.com. Look at the About Us page, and you can find links to all their Twitters, um, all their work. It's fantastic, and we just put in this new search engine right at the top. You can just type in their name, and you can look it up by your favorite author, author, your favorite analyst, and, of course, on your favorite podcast, the Fantasy Football Affairs Podcast. Now, today, we're going to continue our breakdown of the AFC. We cover the East. Uh, That's what we're covering right now. We just got over with the Jets. Hooked up with Paul Esden at Boy Green 25, New York Jets beat reporter. It was fantastic, man. We talked all about Elijah Moore and how he's dominating these camps and Zach Wilson and how he's looking, how he's fitting the bill. Guy's got the goods. That's what Paul says. That's what at Boy Green 25 says, and I tend to believe him. So uh, we went and took another look, and Zach, Zach's got potential, as everybody in the NFL knows. So it's, it's cannot wait to hear about that. And, of course, we've got uh, Doug Keed. Nope. Doug Kide, as in die. Doug Kide, at Doug Kide, that's K-Y-E-D, from NESN, the Patriots beat reporter, and we talked all about Cam against Mac. We see Cam is back already, and he told us that injury wasn't, wasn't an issue, so that was great to get the inside scoop on that. We talked about who owns the wide receiver room and what all the tight end roles are, and we just saw John who apparently got hurt in a, in a soaked practice, so I'm going to go hit him up again, go, Doug, what's up with John? Who should I go be getting my Hunter Henry shares up? Um, it's fantastic get, to get that inside scoop. And I, I just, I thank them for their time. We appreciate their time. We appreciate them coming on and, and, uh, cannot wait to do it again. But Bradley and I are going to cover the rest of the AFC East. That is the Buffalo bills and the Miami dolphins. We're going to start with the new sexist, man. We're going to start with the Buffalo bills and Josh Allen. Can he continue to ascend and be the QB one on this year as he was last year? Um, are there any running backs we want wide receivers, yada, yada, but it all starts and ends with Josh Allen. So Brad, how do you feel about Josh going into this season? Do you see him absolutely force feeding uh, Stefan Diggs? Do we think Gabriel Davis or Hodgins or anybody's going to take a step forward? Cole Beasley's still there for another year or two. That's fantastic. And they add Emmanuel Sanders. So just speaking about Josh Allen, what do you think his upside is this year? Clearly it's a leap, but where do you think he finishes? I mean, he finished QB one last year. There's a chance he stays at QB one because I think there's a chance they throw the ball more than they did last year. The guy threw the ball 572 times, 4,500 plus yards and 37 touchdowns. Nothing really changed for him. John Brown missed quite a bit of time last year. They got Gabriel Davis coming into his second year. Cole Beasley, another year in the offense. Stephon Diggs, another year in the offense. Everything is the same for them. So I see a world where this team starts to throw the ball a little more because they didn't do anything for the run game. So you're still looking at Devin Singletary. You're still looking at Zach Moss, who we'll get to here in a little bit, but aren't really the answer there. So Josh Allen's going to continue to rush the ball. He's going to continue to vulture those red zone touchdowns when he is rushing, but he's still got Stefan Diggs, who is an absolute monster. He was a monster at Minnesota. He was just held back a little bit from Adam Thielen. And I expect this, this show, this show to continue. And I know my brother-in-law is loving it. My wife and her family are from the Buffalo area. They're huge Buffalo Bills fans. And I think they have something to be really, really excited about. And I, I expect Josh Allen to continue his ascension. They definitely have something to be excited about as fans of the Bills in general. The defense is good. It's good. Uh, Tua, we don't know what's up with him. We just talked to our two beat writers, man. New, the, the New England Patriots have 
brought back all these veterans on defense and spent a bunch of money in free agency and none of those moves I love. So we'll see how it works out. They got the Mac Jones versus Cam Newton conundrum now because you can't run two different offenses and can't be sure shit can't do it in the season. So is Mac just going to run the scout team and how's that going to translate? Is he ever going to take over? So that's kind of a clusterfuck. And then the jets man and, and the optimism um, by Paul is fantastic at boy green 25. Once again, I love the optimism. Uh, that's what fanatics do. That's what fans do. They build them up. So as Bill's fans, you got a lot to look forward to. Josh Allen specifically, 25 years old, threw the ball 572 times last year. That's not that's not world-breaking, okay, because we see the Atlanta Falcons go north of six every single season. Uh, 4,500 yards, 37 touchdowns, only 10 picks. I think that's doable again. 37 touchdowns is a lot, so what's he going to drop to? 33. What really makes it up for him are his rushing attempts. Like He's had eight, nine, and eight touchdowns on the ground. That's crucial in the goal line he had 102 rushing attempts last year for 421 so do you think josh allen's going to continue to rush this much is he going to continue to solidify this floor and create that upside because devin singletary is still there he is who he is zach moss is he looked like he was nfl ready and he it was too much for him but we see people make the leap from a rookie to a sophomore. I mean, now he knows where the laundromat is. He knows where the grocery store is. He, he's sleeping in the same bed. It's not too big of a moment. So do you think that Zach Moss is going to, not so much vulture, but allow Josh Allen to not rush as much? And do you think he's going to develop into one of these passers that doesn't have to scramble, that is able to see the field well enough, and he definitely has the weapons? Do you see Josh Allen rushing for as many yards and touchdowns this season? Yeah, I do. He's still super young right? We talk about Lamar and Kyler doing it. And I think he's in the same realm as those guys. Now, Kyler is a def is a better rusher, a pure runner than, than Josh Allen, but age wise skill set wise, I, I think Josh Allen still has a couple years before he really has to depend on his ability to read defenses, move safeties with his eyes, move corners with his eyes. He has the ability to force them to move by rolling out of the pocket and his threat of running so i think yes this year he still has that rushing upside and a very good chance next year as well but i want to go back or we talk about over 600 attempts that is well within the realm of possibility he was already qb1 and now if he throws for 610 615 attempts 45 more attempts where he's averaging almost eight per catch right now he's gonna be an absolute monster assuming his completion percentage stays the same which i don't see any indication why it would right stefan diggs is still a monster cole beasley is still there for their short routes uh, Gabriel Davis is still there for that red zone threat that he proved he could be next year or last year. So uh, I, I still believe he is the red zone vulture from those running backs, but his passing work is still enough to carry him at least into top five. Well, you talk about the completion percentage and why would that regress? That's just regression to the mean. And that's, that's hot. That's a hot topic um, in the fantasy community in dynasty or redraft, especially in redraft going into the next year, where are the values? Where are the people that are going to regress to the mean in a positive fashion, pick up the touchdowns, uh, bounce back, no injuries. And where are the guys that are going to drop back to their, to their normal? I mean, his completion percentage in 2018 was just, just South of 53. Then it was just South of 59. Then it jumped up to 69. That's a huge jump. That, that does not happen. It jumped to 79, 79%, right? 69 percent in 2020 was it 69 mm -hmm. all right um and a lot of that is is palmer is the palmer kid uh jordan palmer 
who, yep. who has that quarterback camp and that's fantastic. So be on the lookout for that. I, I, that's one of my favorite angles as far as quarterbacks in the jump, but Josh Allen, man, let's talk about the, the rushing. Okay. Let's, let's tie this right into the running backs. we got Devin Singletary at age 23. Zach Moss is also 23. Devin Singletary at 50 targets, get 156 attempts in 16 games, flip it over to Josh, um, flip it over to Zach Moss in 13 games, had 112 attempts. He only got 18 targets. So Devin Singletary is apparently the pass catcher, but we know he's got weapons down the field. Why would you check it down? We saw that with Clyde. You got to be on the field all the time to do that. Which one out of these two do you want in PPR leagues, Zach Moss or Devin Singletary? And is there any value? Because those people that play zero RB or that just cannot pass on the top talent at wide receiver going through the years, uh, going through the the startups and going through the redrafts and, and best balls and everything we're doing this time of year, is Zach Moss or Devin Singletary is does either one of them has any value because the bills are an elite offense. They score a shit ton of points. Does either one of them have value? Yeah, it's tough. I, I don't know that I want either one of them, but I'm still very much in the camp that Devin Singletary, if I had to choose gun to my head, you have to pick one of these guys. that's going to have a better finish. I'm going to go Devin Singletary. And there's additional reasons for that outside of just those receptions that we saw last year, right? He had, I think you said 50 some odd targets last year. Targets, yeah. yeah. So, but if you look, he had more yards after contact than Zach Moss. He had a better yards per carry than Zach Moss. So it tells me he's just a better running back he's got a little bit better skill set now don't get me wrong he's not going to take those goal line carries from zach moss which is where the value is going to come from zach moss but i'm gonna i'm still gonna go with the guy who's on the field more right if zach moss's only asset is the inside the five yard line let me just run up the gut for three yards because i can't break tackles i'm not super elusive i don't get a lot of yards after contact then I'm going to go with the guy who's going to get the catches and can still carry the ball inside the 20s. So give me Devin Singletary out of the two. And neither one of them is super, super elusive. One went to Florida Atlantic, one went to Utah. Okay, so neither one of them's fast. Devin Singletary is 5'7", 203. Zach Moss is 5'10", 215. So Devin in two years has six touchdowns. Zach last year in 13 games, and we saw him get benched at times, had five. So I'm going to take Zach Moss, but if I have to, you just have to pick one. Otherwise, there's no way I'm picking a Bills running back. And then we heard a lot about Zach Moss's receiving skills in the offseason last year, and we'll see if that comes to fruition this year. It reminds me a lot that we just talked about with um, with the New York, uh, I'm sorry, the New England beat reporter there, Doug Kide, about Ramondre Stevenson and his ability in, in pass, you know, in, in passing situations. So I uh, I think there's a little bit of a fluke there and we'll see what's up though, but I'm going to go Zach Moss off touchdowns. That's what, that's what we're chasing in an offense touchdowns. Uh, Stefan Diggs, 27 years old, wide receiver three last year in all formats, 166 targets, 166 targets, 1500 yards, eight touchdowns. If he gets less yards, less targets, I think he'll score more touchdowns. I don't see any way that Stefan Diggs is not a top five, top 10 guy. I don't know. Barring injury. Where do you think Diggs is? Is he top 10? Is he top five? Is he top three? Is he number one? How do you view him? And in Dynasty, with this, the hotness that is A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf and people like that, do you look to move Stefan Diggs for 
for one of them? Do you look to move one of them for Stefan Diggs? And then Calvin Ridley always comes to mind. Would you move Stefan Diggs for Calvin Ridley plus or vice versa? No, I, I, Stefan Diggs is the man in Buffalo. Calvin Ridley is not necessarily the man in Atlanta. What? He's looking at now. Now you got Kyle Pitts, another target. Like who's the, who's the second best target next to Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley. Like, Oh, okay. He's a wide receiver three. Right. But we're talking about Kyle Pitts game changer. This just the, the greatest thing since sliced bread for the tight end position coming up against Calvin Ridley. So no, I'm going with Stefan Diggs. Because he's the fucking man. This guy can not be covered. He couldn't be covered in Minnesota. He can't be covered in Buffalo. Not to mention the fact that Stephon Gilmore might not even play for the Patriots next year. I'm taking Stephon Diggs over and over and over again. I think he's got top three upside. To me, he's a top top five, top three dynasty wide receiver right now. The dude is just absolute money you can set it and forget it and that's that's hard when you when you're looking at the wide receiver position so i i'm going stefan diggs all day long here all right man dk metcalf's 23 okay aj brown is 23 are you looking to pivot off Diggs in this blow up season because this is a lot of dynasty Get, getting that huge season that you know is an outlier. Is it going to be top 10? Probably. It's like Michael Thomas last year. You should probably trade Michael Thomas. You should probably look to trade Devonta Adams this offseason. He's probably not going to be the wide receiver one, right? So you try and swap him out. Uh, would you look to move Stefan Diggs for one of those young bucks? Or if you had DK or AJ Brown, are you looking to swap them out and try and get Stefan Diggs and lose those four or five years? And yet, do you think the production is enough where it's worth it? I'm waiting one more year. I'm going to wait one more year for Stefan Diggs. Um, I, I think there's too much upside that he can provide your team as the absolute alpha on that team. Next year, that's when I'd probably be looking to sell, and I'd be looking to sell before the draft because there's a good chance they either add a wide receiver and there's a good chance or there's a good chance that they add a running back, which may change that offense a little bit. They may be looking to get – we talked about Josh Allen earlier and his rushing upside and how he needs that right now to really be able to manipulate defenses. That's still there. They add a running back or another wide receiver option or a high-end tight end in the in free agency or through the draft. Now that dynamic changes a little bit. So I'm going one more year with Stephon Diggs. He's still the alpha. I just I just trust in his skill set. It's proven, right? We look at AJ Brown, and as much as I love AJ Brown, he hasn't given you that top five production. We're projecting that top five production. DK Metcalf has given you that top five production. He's, he's seven. Is he at seven? He's at so seven. He, he's pretty damn close. My issue with DK is there's games that he's going to disappear. There are games that he will and that he has disappeared. That worries me. A guy that gets four or fewer targets in as many games as he has concerns me. Stefan Diggs is a target hog. It's a different skill set. He's not getting 16, 17 yards per catch like DK is. But it's a guy that I can, like I said, I can set it and forget it. I don't ever, 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 ever have to worry about Stefan Diggs giving me a goose egg. 
If it happens, it is rare. It is rare. Whereas DK, I think, has a little bit more volatility in his game and where A.J. Brown has not necessarily that volatility to give you a goose egg, but I just don't know that he has the upside that Stephon Diggs has. He's still developing as a player, right? He's you got you to gotta realize it's his third year in the league. He's still learning. So I, I'm still going Diggs over these guys right now. Stephon Diggs has been in the league for six years. He has top 10 in 2018. He was number 10, and he was number three in 2020. That's two out of six. He is not Michael Thomas. He is not just constantly winning. So what you're betting on is Josh Allen being not necessarily Drew Brees, but that kind of quarterback that can just absolutely carry his one. So I, I'm going to cap out here. I'm going to take any of the pluses. Ridley plus, DK plus, not that big of a fan of A.J. Brown, but A.J. Brown on the right plus, I will take that. On the flip side, if somebody's willing to give you uh, Stefan Diggs plus for A.J. Brown or DK Metcalf, that's a smash play for me. So that just is, it is what it is, man. I, I don't think that the talent is what everybody says it is. The season was 166 targets get out of here. That was also the first season he's ever played the whole year. Period. Six years. So. Well, see what's up, man. 17 game slate. Stefan Diggs, though, is a dog. That's how you have to differentiate between those guys at the top of the list. Let's move on to the others. The others, we got the running backs. We don't want them. We got Diggs. We want him. We got Allen. We want him. Dawson Knox is the tight end. We're just going to skim over tight end. When you're looking at the other wide receivers, Gabriel Davis, Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, right? All of them flashed a little bit. Cole actually had himself a nice little year, finishing as, uh, you know, High-end wide receiver three, which for Cole Beasley with 107 targets, you'll take that. He had plenty of nice games where he was productive. Had put up 27, 28, 19 a few times, a bunch of double digits. John Brown leaves town. John Brown only played nine games. But when he played, he was fantastic as that deep threat. They signed Emmanuel Sanders. I think Emmanuel Sanders kind of cuts into the Cole Beasley role a little more than people want to admit. Cole's in the slot, but it's still that kind of possession guy gets open, give me the ball. And Emmanuel Sanders at age 34 proved he was not quite washed. He had a little bit more left in the tank last season. And then the wild card is Gabriel Davis, which I said I would trade him for any sort of upgrade and grab Isaiah Hodgins of the Rookie on the Rise podcast with at the FF Sandman. That's Britt Sanders. Check that out. I stand by that. But we are just breaking down the bills here. Out of these three, Gabriel, Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, or anybody else on your list, is there anybody that you want? Because these guys are pretty much throw-ins. I mean, you can get Emmanuel Sanders for a fourth-round pick. You can get Cole Beasley for a third-round pick. You can get Gabriel Davis for some sort of package where you make a lateral move. Are any of these guys people you are targeting, and why? Yeah, I think it depends on your league. So Emmanuel Sanders is off my list right now. I don't, I don't know that he's going to give you the production that you're thinking of when you think Emmanuel Sanders in Denver. He wasn't, he didn't look that good last year in New Orleans. So I'm not going after Emmanuel Sanders at all. So now I'm looking at Gabriel Davis and Cole Beasley. And to me, it's a, a league dependent. If I'm in a standard league, I'm going Gabriel Davis because you saw his red zone and his touchdown connection with Josh Allen last year, right? Whereas if I'm in a half point or a PPR league, now I'm leaning towards those Cole, that Cole Beasley hundred plus targets that he saw John Brown being gone. There's a likelihood that he sees a slight uptick. I think the majority of those are going to be covered by Emmanuel Sanders and Gabriel Davis, but he may see a slight uptick in, in volume. So now you're looking at Cole Beasley over hundred targets, 
close to a thousand yards, just very low touchdowns. Whereas Gabriel Davis had seven, he had seven touchdowns on 35 catches. Like that's some supreme efficiency right there. That's some Josh Allen is looking for you on touchdowns. Now you see some volume, a potential for volume to increase, but he's not going to have the receptions to carry you in a half point or a full point PPR. So, so I think it's league dependent uh, on your scoring settings. Okay. That's fair, man. That's fair. Now I'm going to go with the cheap guy. All right. Gabriel, we've talked about Cole Beasley. If, if you got him, you're happy. You got him. I mean, he's like Sterling Shepard, but he plays every week. Like he'll put up those weeks. I just don't know when to start him. Emmanuel Sanders is the guy I'm going to key on here. So if you're a competitor, the hell is a fourth or fifth round rookie pick going to do for you? The hell is that going to do for you? Right. What's that going to do? The 410, 411, 412. Hit that. Good luck to you. Emmanuel Sanders last year at age 34. So first of all, as a player, he's only been top 10 once. It was 2014. He was wide receiver five. He missed a slew of games throughout the years. We saw him get traded from Denver to San Francisco in 2019. And he was the one and he had some sort of value in DFS plays. And then he goes to new Orleans and he's, he's behind Michael Thomas, who's then hurt. So it's a specific situation, but if, for whatever reason, Stefan Diggs misses time, Emmanuel Sanders is the one I want to plug in. He's like a, uh, Antonio Brown light last year, week one, 10 points, week two, 2.8, week three, four, five, 15, 15, 23. Misses week six, seven, eight. Okay. 15, 15, 23. That plays in my lineup. Misses week six, seven, eight, coming back off injury against Tampa Bay puts up 13. San Francisco shuts him down, puts up one, one catch for five yards. That's not good. Turns around against Atlanta, puts up 10. It's not what you want against Atlanta, but it is still double digits. Denver shuts him down for just one. Atlanta again, 8.9. So, hey, you know, in, in a pinch, closes it out with double digits for the rest of the season. 13, 11, 13, 21. 21. So, Emmanuel Sanders for a fourth or fifth round pick. This is, this is the guy that you absolutely can go get and in a pinch. You can start him. Now, he's not somebody that you want to plug in. You're never going to know if you want to start him unless there's an injury in front of him. But I think Emmanuel Sanders is a screaming value. And I think he's got a lot of value in, in best ball leagues. And I, I just, for what he's worth, man, he's almost free. Like he's almost free. In fact, he may be on your waiver wires. And I think he's worth a pickup. Everybody loves Antonio Brown this year. And when you're looking at John Brown, who just left, who's now with the Raiders and you're looking at Emmanuel Sanders on a points per game situation, and you can, tweak the stats because that's what we do when you take out when he has less than 50 percent snap share and you take out this take out that he's highly productive he's 34 nobody's gonna want what else you got to say about the bills yeah i mean the one thing i would add to that is there's a little bit of context behind those emmanuel sanders numbers and that's michael thomas right michael thomas played week one and then played from week nine on and those three games, well, from week nine until week 15, those three games you talk about at the end of the season without Michael Thomas, those games in the middle of the season that you talk about between week two and week nine, those games are without Michael Thomas. He's going to a team that has an alpha in Stefan Diggs. So I don't those numbers were because he was it. Who are they throwing the ball to? Traquan Smith, right? Marquez Callaway. Like that, that, that's not people that are even with Emmanuel Sanders being 33 last year, he's still better than those guys. He's not better than Stefan Diggs. So assuming Stefan Diggs stays healthy, I don't think he's going to see those targets. And I don't know that he's going to be a value for you. Well, that's what, that's my point is 
He's better than Gabriel Davis, Cole Beasley, Isaiah Hodgins. He's better than them. So if, for whatever reason, who, a guy that's never played a full slate until last year misses any games, Emmanuel Sanders suddenly is a flex play. And when we're looking at weeks nine on, I mean, 11, 14, 15, 16, 17, he puts up double digits. And in 17, week 17, when Michael Thomas once again misses, puts up 21.3. Yep. Playing with the broken ass Drew Brees. God love you, Drew. Thank you yeah, for but retiring. do you want to roster a guy like that? Where I do. As a, as a contender, I would trade for him to yes, play. Yes, one hundred percent. That is my bench as a contender. I'm trading my fourth and fifth round picks for Antonio. Brown. I'll just tell you, Antonio Brown, T.Y. Hilton. That's what I want. And if I can't get them, I'm looking for Emmanuel Sanders and John Brown. Okay, that, so, those are guys I'm targeting. So, so real quick, let me let me change the situation a little bit because a lot of leagues don't do fourth and fifth round rookie drafts. So right, they do one round, through three. So I'm would you trade, trade a third for Emmanuel Sanders? No, I would trade Paris Campbell for Emmanuel Sanders in a third. I would trade people like that for Emmanuel Sanders and that draft pick back. So Preston you think Williams Emmanuel for Emmanuel Sanders, finish. I would do. Josh Reynolds for Emmanuel Sanders in a third in a heartbeat. Crap like that where somebody's getting – Emmanuel Sanders is probably a drop candidate for them because we only have a third-round rookie draft. And in most of those leagues, your taxi squad isn't that large. Right. A lot of my leagues, the tech squad's only one year. I don't know what the hell's up with that, but that's the thing, right? I'm not the commissioner. Cool. So we're going to take advantage of it. So those vets play a lot more for me because they're on my bench and I just rotate that taxi with whatever the hell I can get off waivers. So Emmanuel Sanders is just, he is who he is, but he does have upside. He's not washed at 33. Now he's 34. We're going to see what's up, but he goes again to an elite offense. And if you already had him on a team, you went from new Orleans to the Bills, you went from a guy that was wide receiver one, got hurt, to a guy that's wide receiver three and has a track record of missing at least one game, and the season has extended. So because he's free, he's the guy I want. I'm not going to pay for Emmanuel Sanders or Cole Beasley. I'm sorry. I'm not going to pay for Gabriel Davis or Cole Beasley for sure. But Manny Sanders, that guy that comes off and it was an Achilles, right? And his dunking yep. on the on the yeah. old post at 30 yep. something years old. There's something about that and his swagger too. Him and Golden Tate. If Golden Tate can sneak his way back into the league, he's gonna be another guy I'm gonna be offering those shit picks for. Let's move on here now to the Dolphins. Dolphins to a tongue of Aloha. Is this the year? Right? Offensive coordinator retired, quote unquote, because he was forced out. They didn't address the running back position except for adding Jared Dokes. They got Gaskins, the gas can is. Brian likes to say, uh, at Brian GMFF Affair on Twitter, our normal host. He loves the gas can. You got to love how this season played out for him and this offseason plays out for him and Ackman. And uh, as far as wide receivers, they add some weapons. They get Jalen Waddle, his top 10 pick. They get Will Fuller on a one year deal. Hope he can stay off the PEDs or at least get away with it as fantasy players because he was fantastic last year. In fact, he's fantastic every year when healthy, but he's been playing with Deshaun Watson. But that's got to help too. They still have Devonta Parker there. Um, man, I mean, Lynn Bowden's still there. Preston Williams still there. Gasicki's still there. They add Hunter Long. Uh, I think he's out of Virginia. So uh, let, led college in in receptions at the tight end position. Now it was a weird year. Not everybody played the same amount of years, same, same amount of games, but it's still something to note. So as far as Tua Tungvaloa, man, is he going to see an improvement uh, or not? And, and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to tee this up for you, man. I want to talk about the offensive coordinators for the Dolphins. The Dolphins have two offensive coordinators, which is a college thing. They got co-coordinators. All right. They got George Godsey, 
who was New England's offensive assistant and the tight ends coach. He was a quarterback coach for the Texans for a year, offensive coordinator for the Texans for 2015 and 16. That's when we see Deshaun Watson break on. He went to the Lions as some sort of special projects, defensive assistant, whatever the hell that means, moves up to the quarterback coach, goes to Miami as a tight ends coach again. And now he's co-offensive coordinator and a tight end coach. So George has done a little bit of everything, right? And we flip it over to Eric Studsville. Eric Studsville is interesting. Defensive guy, running back, running back, running back, running back, interim head coach, assistant, and running back coach. Running back coach and the run game coordinator. So he's played for a lot of teams. He's been on a lot of teams to play for. He's coached a lot of teams. The Giants, the Bills, the Broncos a few times, the Dolphins. He is an interim and an assistant head coach and a running back guy. That's what he is. Running running game coordinator in 2018 through 2020. We saw Gaskins be okay. We saw Kalen Balazs be okay. He's a co-offensive coordinator and, again, the running backs coach again. Right? What I don't see here is quarterback coach. What I don't see here is wide receiver coach, and that's where we think the value is for these Dolphins. And, and the Dolphins have proven to us that that's not how they see things. That's not how they play football. They play fantastic defense with people that want to be there. Right. And they game manage the shit out of the game. So as far as Tua Tunga Valoa with his two coordinators, is there either one of them that you think is going to be the lead dog? Because there's no way. I mean, you and I can be calling plays up there in the booth and those going to be, become a point in the game. And it could be third down on the first drive. And I'm like, Brad, fuck you. This is the play. And you're going to be like, Burke, fuck you. This is the play. That's going to happen constantly. So uh, Tua Tunga Valoa, is this a match made in heaven with the college game transitioning to the pros once again? Is Waddle enough to elevate him? Is Fuller enough to elevate him? What are the outlooks for Tua in fantasy, in fantasy football? I think there's opportunity, right? They added Jalen Waddle. They brought in Will Fuller. They still have Devontae Parker and Lynn Bowden, their same running back room. But the question stands, what does that offense look like? And can Tua take a step forward? And I don't know that the offense can, right? They've got, as you alluded to, they've got two separate offensive coordinators, one that's got a little bit more of a passing background as a quarterback's coach and as a couple years of as, as an offensive coordinator in Houston. But that experience isn't, great if you look at the stats right so they had a top 20 as in number 19 in yards for an offensive yardage in 2015 in 2060 2016 godsey had a number 29 ranked passing offense in yardage that's not what i look at so now that coupled with the fact that they're splitting the offensive coordinator duties with a guy who is much more running back heavy tells me they may be looking to try to shift that mindset to where they're going to try to run the ball a lot more than they did last year. But when you add Jalen Waddle, that's going to open that up a little bit, that down the field threat. So I think there's some opportunity to, to buy a Will Fuller or Jalen Waddle, but I don't know that I'd be looking at Tua right now. I may actually be looking to move him on the uptick of, hey, he's got Jalen Waddle now. I want to sell him before the season starts. Added weapons, before everything yeah. kicks in. Yeah. Uh, and I, I've had yet to have an opportunity to check out the Dolphins' schedule, right? Cannot wait to see where they play the Jets. But with a running game coordinator and a guy that's been all over the place, right? Tight ends court. One guy focuses on the run game. One guy focuses on the tight end, which is blocking and sealing the edge and those slip outs. 
So I don't think that the plus matchups are going to work out for Tua. But let me just, because this is my guy, 23. This is my 101 last season. And I still believe it's a weird spot to, to be in because I think he's going to turn out to be Cousins or Carr. I think that's what it's looking like because he plays for the Dolphins and they're freaking good. And going into the season last year, I was like, they suck. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a journeyman. They suck. This guy's going to come in. He's going to play early. He's going to play often. And he's going to have to put up numbers. So from a positive output, anytime Tua Tungvaloa took every snap under seven, uh, under center, that's week 19, that's week 9, 10, 13, 14, 15, 17. Here are his point totals. 21.4, 14.6, 16.1, 28.0, 19.7, 18.24. That man starts in my lineup. Now, there's one game where he took 98% of the snaps for whatever reason missed a snap, and he put up five against the Rams. So that is some slanted stats for you right there. But that's what's up with Tua Tungvaloa. The upside is there. Now, you mentioned Waddle and Fuller and, and Parker's still there. I'm a big believer in Parker. Devonta Parker's talent's there. That guy looked like an alpha two years ago off the back of all these targets. Will Fuller, can he stay healthy? <laughs> look, dude, both of those guys don't look like they can stay healthy, him and Waddle. So Devonta Parker might be the guy that gets force-fed. We saw Lynn Bowden in, in limited opportunity last year coming out of the slot as a PPR flex play, as a DFS guy, put up 15, 10, 12, three different weeks, nine week 13. When he was the guy and he played 91% of the snaps, you know, he was playable. So if Jalen Waddle's filling Lynn Bowden's role and Will Fuller's outside, does that set up Parker? Like out of these three guys, don't just give me that rookie hype crap. We're looking for production because if any of these guys hit we, uh, year one this year, they skyrocket. Even Will Fuller, who will be looking – for another contract and on, on another team. And if any of these guys miss, Waddle, Fuller, Parker, any of them miss, they're toast. So are you actually investing in anybody in this Miami offense? We'll get to the running backs in a second. And why? Yeah, if I'm investing in somebody, it's going to be Waddle. If I am looking to win and take a guy who is – at a little bit of a value, I'm, I think I'm going to go Fuller, which which may not sound normal, but when Fuller's healthy and on the field, this guy is in your lineup, period. When he's on the field, the dude produces. Now, I know he played with Deshaun Watson, and there there's a big difference in quarterback play there, but you've seen Tua chuck the ball down the field in Alabama, so there's no reason he can't do that at Miami. So I think there's a potential that Will Fuller can be a very good asset to your team, especially when you're looking at a guy who's going in like the 10th round around Denzel Mims and Henry Ruggs, right? I'm not taking those guys over Will Fuller. Like there's no chance in hell that I'm taking those two guys over Will Fuller in the 10th round. So I, I, th I think Will Fuller is my guy based on value right now. When we're talking Denzel Mims and, and Henry Ruggs, I love how you bring ADPs in. That's why you're on the show, man. That's why that's why the people love you. That's why FF Bourbon Dude is getting more follows by the second. Go follow this man on Twitter. When you're talking redrafts, Will Fuller all day. When you're talking Ruggs and Mims, man, Will Fuller is 27. He's, he's suspended for a game. He's never played with anybody other than Deshaun Watson. He goes to a team that has uh, Jalen Waddle, who's – 
breathing down his throat, man. He's breathing down his neck. That's what Jalen Waddle does. That's what they brought him in to do. Maybe he plays a slot all year, Justin Jefferson style, but that's what they brought him in to stretch the field, get those big plays as they saw in Alabama. And Tua also played at Alabama, though they, they didn't play together that much. So when I'm looking at these guys, Will Fuller, Devonta Parker, Jalen Waddle, Jalen Waddle's the one that people want to invest in, which is why I'm out because it's too high. It's too much. It's too much value later. If I'm going to start up and Jalen Waddle's on the board in the eighth round, if I can trade that eighth round for a ninth or a tenth round in any sort of future, I 100% do it, okay? Because I, I don't know what's up with that, and that wild card doesn't necessarily meet my standards in a startup where you start 10 people in a starter sort of situation. What I mean by that is if you're in the eighth round, ninth round of a startup, and you start 10 people, I don't feel comfortable starting Jalen Waddle. It's not what I want. I'll take a guy later that I feel comfortable starting and a draft pick. Cause I think that's the way to go. Uh, as far as Will Fuller suspended for a game, man, it's going to be interesting, but all of this points to Tua Tungvaloa and be a solid. And the fact that everybody has injury concerns puts Tua Tungvaloa on blast, puts him on notice. The multiple coordinators is scary as hell. And I think Devonta Parker is the screaming value here at the X. His role is 100% uninhibited. Nobody's threatening him. Health is the issue. We saw in week 17 last year where Tua struggled a little bit through through three picks. Uh, we saw 14 targets for Mr. Parker. We saw 14 targets against the Jets in week 12. We saw 18 or more points three, four times last year. It's a learning curve. It's a thing. Tua said he he didn't even know the whole playbook, and he was uncomfortable in the in the huddle calling the cadence. That is no longer the case. He had a broken hip, no OTAs. They kept pulling him in, pulling him out, throwing him in after the after the bye week. It was a tough situation. So I think this offense is interesting um, going forward, and I'm very, very much looking forward to it. But none of these guys are people I'm trading for, but if they're on my team, I'm keeping them. What do you got, Brad? Yeah, it's interesting. You brought up some really good shit, right? The narrative that you see on Twitter and from all these people saying, oh, well, Tua and Waddle played together. Tua and Waddle didn't really play together number one number two when they did they were fucking terrible together Jalen Waddle averaged 35 yards per game with Tua and then Tua went out and he averaged 70 yards a game with Mac Jones he had better rapport with Mac Jones than he had with Tua in 2019 and then in 2020 he turned around with a, a it's it's 82 yards a game if you average it but that's because he went out that that yeah, uh, I think it was complete the games game. and, and he's but you just those complete games, he's over I think he's over 100 yards is it just under yeah just so it, I mean it's disgusting the difference so don't don't buy into that narrative. If you're going to do research, look at how good Jalen Waddle is at running routes, how successful he is at the field, how good he is at start stop. It, there are a lot of pluses in Jalen Waddle's game that are outside of Tua Tagovailoa. So don't buy that narrative that people say, well, they went to Alabama together and that's why you should buy him. Cause that's not true. The second thing about Waddle, as you said, the eighth round, this dude's going in the sixth round of dynasty startups. Disgusting. Sixth round around guys like Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, DJ Shark, Robert Woods, and Cooper Cup. Like, there's no way I'm taking him over any of these guys right now. It's not happening in the sixth round. So sixth round, now bump that down those three or four rounds that you're talking about. There's the values you're getting over the Jalen Waddles right now. So yeah. it, it's a it's a big difference right now where he's going. The hype is real on him. 
Yeah, it's crazy. Robert Woods is interesting because he's 29 and his contract kind of has an out after this year. So that's that's intriguing. Now, they'll probably restructure it as they have to do as the Rams, but that's a whole other episode. And that'll be fun to get into vets that actually have security versus vets that don't write that down because we should do that. I think I want to do that. Let's move on to the running back position. We got Miles Gaskins, man. And we got Salvin Ahmed. These guys are young. These guys are produced when called upon. Uh, you look at the, the yearly finish, you're looking at RB28, you're looking at RB65 and PPR leagues. Throw that shit out, man. When Ahmed gets 75, 65, 61% of the percent of the snaps, we're looking at 16, 12, 21. When Gaskins comes back and they still kind of want to get Ahmed some love, he, he finds his way into the end zone against Buffalo, puts up 13.8. When called upon, Ahmed is probably the the most valuable and yet most slept on handcuff in the NFL because the Miami Dolphins want to force feed a specific running back, not necessarily on snaps, which we love because let them rest, but on touches. And when we're looking at Gaskins, it is easier for me to count the amount of times he doesn't hit double digits, which is one against the amount of times he does hit double digits, which is nine. Okay. We see him put up 33 against Las Vegas. Uh, the guy's got the upside 20 against San Francisco and that elite defense so they had some injuries by the time week five rolled around but still this guy can play like he's he's good in the passing game though he's not highly efficient he does catch almost every target 47 targets 41 receptions and he finds his way into the end zone little by little five touchdowns total in 10 games but man those 10 games were solid as all get out the threat here is a free agent and i'm just going to list a couple Devonta freeman maybe i'm bell People like that. Todd Gurley, right? Miles Gaskins and Selvin Ahmed is either one of these guys people you're looking to acquire. Uh, you know, I would have said before a couple days ago, Miles Gaskin is the guy I want to acquire. But the more I go back and I watch Miami, I think Selvin Ahmed is the better running back. Our, watching him, yeah. I think he is better at running the football. The shitty part is he is bad. He is pitiful at pass blocking. I mean, pitiful. So that's going to keep him off the field, and that's going to allow Miles Gaskin to stay on the field in those situations, be that pass catcher, and get more work. So even though I think Salvan Ahmed is just a better runner than what Miles Gaskin is, I, it's tough. I don't know that I'd be looking to buy any of them because one health is a concern for both of them. And two, I just don't know that it's worth it right now because it's a one year buy. Now I know we said that last year, it's a one year buy, uh, but if they do bring a Todd Gurley in or something like that, right, that, that to me is worst case scenario because Todd Gurley was still really good in the red zone and really good inside the five scoring touchdowns. That's how he was fantasy relevant last year. So if they bring in somebody like that, that's going to severely hurt Ahmed and Gaskin. But I, I, I'm not looking to buy either one of them right now. Well, Jared Dokes comes in, right? But the guy I want to talk about is Malcolm Brown, who is kind of going to fill that role. I mean, that goal line guy, five touches. I mean, five touchdowns last year for the Rams, and he really just did it off falling in the end zone, Jordan Howard style. Jordan Howard, again, I think he's – a. I think he plays for the Eagles, and he's a clear-cut candidate. So anybody like that coming in and Malcolm Brown already on the roster, Malcolm Brown somebody you, you're afraid of if you're a Gaskins owner? No, he's annoying. 
just like he was in LA. He's just annoying. He's that guy that when you're watching the game, you're like, son of a bitch, they took my guy off the field to put Malcolm Brown in, and he runs in for a two-yard touchdown. Uh, I, I don't know that he scares me because he's not taken or, or you talked about Miles Gaskin getting a ton of passing work, right? Those 47 targets. Malcolm Brown's not taking targets away from from Miles Gaskin. So he's still going to have that upside from a PPR perspective. But I think it's more annoying than it is going to really adjust his end finish. And I think it scares the shit out of me. Okay, because we're looking at Devin Singletary, Zach Moss finishes that we just talked about. Except these, the, Gaskin won't have a contract like that. He's out. He's done. It's almost assuredly... We thought it this year. It's almost assuredly that Miami addresses the running back position next season. There are some guys coming out that you need to check out. The Debbie deep dives that Britt Sanders does at the FF Sandman. There are things to check out. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to get into that because we're just focusing on these two teams, but man, I'm kind of itching to. There's some names. Bryce Hall. Google them. Google them. If he goes to the Dolphins suddenly, I have a tough time taking anybody over him, including the quarterbacks. Let's move on here to the tight end. Mike Kosicki, Mike quietly. Tight end, seven in PPR, six in standard. Mike Kosicki uh, played 15 games. He only missed one. It was against New England. Thank God he missed that game. And uh, he put up some big numbers. He put up 26, 28, 15, 16, 31 in week two against Buffalo. He also put up some duds. He's a tight end. Tight end six, though, at 25 years old. Now, his contract is up. They may or may not re-sign him, but the physical athlete that he is, Mike Kosicki has got to be on your radar, right, Brad? Yeah, I think they do re-sign him also, right? He is a physical freak. The problem I have with him is the addition of Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle, right? He did that on the back of 82 targets, and he's not going to – I'd be shocked if he got 82 targets. I'd be absolutely floored with the addition of those two wide receivers because they are way better than the receiving core that they had last year. So I don't know that he has that top six, top seven tight end finish. Now we've talked before about what the hell's the difference between six and 18 and it's 30 something points or something ridiculous like that. So is he somebody that you would want to have? Yeah. He's no different than the other plot of 15 guys that you want, but I don't, he's going to give you some weak winning upside possibly, right? Where he catches a couple touchdowns because he is that athletic freak. It's just, you got to be prepared. There are going to be weeks that he doesn't give you anything either. Yeah, he's a best ball play. He's a best ball play. I'm in Scott Fistball this year. Scott Fistball 11. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, uh, everybody involved with that. Cannot wait to pick up my charity. You got any, got any ideas, Brad? I'm going to give all this money to Alzheimer's. They're old. Alzheimer's. Old this is solid. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with the kids, man, because I keep seeing these commercials about kids on TV with cancer, and I love my two little girls so fucking bad. I just cannot even imagine. I think it's Cosairs, which is big here in Louisville. I think that's who I'm yep, I'm probably going to get sure. a boatload of money because, like, it's like where you got McLaughlin. What, what's what's her name? Sarah McLaughlin in the background and shit, and you're crying. You're <laughs> like, these fuck these puppies. If you put kids on the TV, I'm writing a check. So I think that's what I'm yep. going with. Uh, but Mike Kosicki is on my list. I just want to talk about Durham Smith and Adam Shaheen. For all you Hunter Long truthers out there, taking them at the end of the third and early fourth in those tight end premium leagues, uh, super flex leagues, just don't. Hunter Long's not going to play. You're hoping Mike Kosicki leaves and somehow they don't address it, and, and then what are you getting out of Hunter Long? Right? They got all these weapons. So I'm going to move on from that. Mike Kosicki, though, does make my list for that Scott Fishbowl and, and for every underdog draft that I'm in uh, because he's got that upside. 
And if you can get him in a trade, you're not going to give up Darren Waller or Kittle or anybody like that. But if you can give up somebody lesser uh, that has yet to fire and get him involved in that trade, that's something to do. Uh, anything else you got for me for the Miami Dolphins? No, but let's put you in a situation. So you get an offer, something like a Noah Fant and Mike Gesicki, right? Where are you at with those guys? Because that's kind of the range you're looking at, right? You got those athletic freaks, the upside, but there's some questions at the quarterback position. There's some some uh, challenge at the wide receiver position. They got a core of running backs. So where where are you at between those two guys, Noah Fant? Because that's he's another kind of riser in the tight end position from, uh, you know, tight end from Denver. It's a good point. Cortland Sutton's contract is coming up. Jerry Judy's there. It's, it's a very similar situation. You got Tua or you got Teddy and Locke. You got Miami's defense in that division against Denver in that division. It's very similar. It's very similar. Uh, that's tough. I guess I'm going to go Noah Fant. I guess I'm going to go Noah Fant because he's still under contract. I know he's going to be there. I don't know where Mike Kosicki is going to go. And on the flip side, that's kind of why you might want to go with Mike Kosicki because he might get that ideal spot where he gets to go in and be the one. I just don't think as physical as he is, uh, as, as athletic as he is, I don't see him ever being. Yeah, I think it's interesting because there's a chance that he ends up in a really good, and I mean, really good position. So if free agent next year, Miami doesn't re-sign him. Let's say he shows up, he comes into free agency and the Kansas City Chiefs, for instance, say, hey, you know what? Travis Kelsey is 33, 34 years old. He's moving on. He decides to retire. Mike Gesicki fills that role now. There are some really good positions that Mike Gesicki could find himself in. Let's say he goes and he fills the tight end position for the Los Angeles Chargers with Justin Herbert and Jared Cook right now as their their primary tight end target with Donald Parham, who, you know, if you want to know where people stand with him, go listen to the episode with Quinn Cusky at underscore Quinn Cusky, where we talked about the AFC West and, and what we believe that tight end room looks like for the LA Chargers. But there are some really prime landing spots for a guy like Mike Gesicki next year. So now might be the time if you believe in the talent to go buy him because you might be able to turn around and get him on the cheap right now on the cheap quote unquote before he signs in a location that could be prime territory for him yeah i love that you bring up the charges that's at quinn underscore cusky c-u-s-k-e-y um that's a good spot another good spot is the Colts. i think those are both good spots i think you're gonna have a quarterback on the rise that loves to use the tight end uh, that's where you want him to go. He could also go the other way, but that is a good point. My problem is that you're probably paying that price tag for the number six tight end, number seven tight end, because he's a top 10 tight end and people want to use that against you and don't fall for it because the difference between number seven and number four is not that big. And number three is Tunyon and he got a shit ton of touchdowns. So that's not going to happen every year. They kind of rotate out, but I think Kasicki's going to be that low end one and I, you don't even want that. So was Fant though. So, um, but I'm fan over Gesicki, but I love that point because in free agency, yeah, man, there's a lot of different ways he can go. Uh, we're going to get out of here. I just want to highlight a couple more things. We've got a lot of stuff coming up for the fantasy variants, man. We're going to tackle sleepers, ADPs and startups coming up next. Uh, we are going to tackle those, those vets that actually have security in the contract. That's going to be fantastic. And 
Of course, we still have those articles coming out by Garrett Vienna at FF Goldmine and Britt Sanders at the FF Sandman. Those, uh, those are good series. They're good series. Rob Lorge at FF Attic, always spitting them out. Quinn Cusky and Samuel Gordon, that's at Quinn underscore Cusky with the C at Samuel underscore Gordon. Do the hot by happy hour where they have this, they have this promo code on bestcigarprices.com. And that's Sammy Claus, S-A-M-M-Y-C-L-A-U-S-E. Sammy Claus gets you 10% off at bestcigarprices.com. And they literally have the best cigar prices on the internet. So check them out. We also have Brian uh, Maganero at Brian GMFF Affair kicking it out there in Hawaii, setting up this expo for us, which I'm going to let Brad talk about. Johnny Slokes at Johnny Slokes. Brian Craighead with his Cash Crusade and everything he does on social media and behind the scenes and the writings. Uh, he does he does all our start sits, our bumps and bruises. He's fantastic. He does our free agency summaries. Uh, he's just he's invaluable. He's at VandyGrad92. We also have Andrew Jacques at McLovin FF Affair. That's MLC zero VIN FF affair at McLovin FF affair. Andy Jock's a great writer for us. He's a great editor. He's a fantastic mom, uh, part of the team. And he's him and Brad came in together doing this marriage or mistress. And I cannot wait for that to kick off again. And of course our founding founding father at Maddie daddy, 2652. That's Matt riser. So thank you so much for the listens, for the opportunity. Don't forget to listen, uh, Review, subscribe anywhere and everywhere that you get your podcast and drop those listener questions for us on the website, fffair.com. Scroll down to the bottom and, and email us, man. Email us. Brad, what do you got for us? Talk to me about the expo. Yeah, look, we've talked about this over and over again, and we're going to continue to talk about it over again. Be there or be square. Be at Canton, Ohio on August the 14th and August the 15th. So you, you go online, you go to thefantasyfootballexpo.com, and you say, wait a minute, this just says August the 15th. It doesn't matter. August the 14th, yours truly, the Fantasy of Football Affair team, myself, Eric, Brian, Maddie, Sammy, Quinn, all, all of us, as many of us can get there, are going to be hosting the pre-expo party at the hotel the night of August the 14th. We'll have some cups to hand out. We'll have a big banner. We'll have some t-shirts, some koozies. We'll be sipping bourbon, smoking cigars, having a great time, just hanging out and talking football off the books, what our, what our strategies are, what we like, what we don't like, mingling, meeting people. That's the cool thing, right? We get to meet a bunch of people. So show up August the 14th, Canton, Ohio, and then the Expo on August 15th, where you get to see none other than at Eric Burkholder 6 take on some juggernauts in a draft. And you'll get to see why you should follow Fantasy Football Affair, because we have a secret weapon, and his name is Eric Burkholder 6. This dude dominates dynasty leagues he dominates best ball leagues it's going to be a blast check us out again the fantasy football expo.com or at the ff expo on twitter august the 14th august the 15th cheers, cheers buddy